Heartland Woman, Conversations on Changing the World, the podcast devoted to women's issues and creating change from a distinctly Midwest perspective. I'm Martha Kovach, sociologist, producer, and your host. In June 2018, the treatment of immigrant families at our southern border was suddenly on the front burner of our social consciousness. The nation was horrified by images of border agents tearing babies away from their mothers' arms and traumatized children being warehoused in makeshift detention centers. Pictures of kids in cages symbolized the heartlessness of ICE officials as part of a federal plan to forever separate families. The Attorney General would eventually acknowledge this policy was designed to prevent migrants from even attempting to seek refugee status in the United States. While the country's focus was on our southern border, in the Midwest, ICE was conducting the largest workplace raids in its history. On June 6th, ICE arrested 114 workers at Corso's Flower and Garden Center in northern Ohio. Two weeks later, ICE arrested hundreds of workers at Ohio's Fresh Marks Meat Processing Company. As a result of the two raids, hundreds of children were left with only one parent or no parent at all, and no income. Local neighbors and church groups and organizations scrambled to find and care for these terrified children in their communities. Today, I'm talking with Lizette, a 37-year-old wife, mother of three, and a devoted employee of Corso's Garden Center. Lizette was arrested by ICE on that June 6th raid and spent a month in a Michigan detention center. I'll also talk with Maggie, Lizette's very brave 11-year-old daughter, about what life was like the day her mom didn't come home from work. Well, welcome, Lizette and Maggie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Lizette, I'd like to start with you, and I'd like, um, I'd like it if you could tell us some about um, your life before you started working at Corsos and how you came to this country and a little bit about your family. Okay. Uh, hi, and thank you for inviting me. Um, well, I came in here when I was uh, 17 years old. My mom and my dad, um, they don't have another way um, to just support us in Mexico. So my mom has or all of her family in here living for years so that they decided to come so I have another I mean another way to stay or anything because over my parents I was single and right. uh, I have to quit school and we got our passports and visas and we just came in and we stay and since I was 17 I started working and did you know English at that point no Okay. No, it was very hard because none of my parents talk English. Yeah. I had my brothers, and we, my older brother was married. He came in here first. So um, it was hard because we really don't, don't don't talk any English. I started working at a, a restaurant, and it was very hard. <laughs> Because, like, they, they talked to me and I was, like, not able to answer back or not even to understand what they want or what they're saying. I was a dishwasher. And after that, 
I start working in a, a greenhouse in Overland. And it's where I started learning English. Uh, I I never liked to just stay like I was like planting and I, I want like a step up but I have to yes. learn English. Yes. So it was like a girl, a lady then. She teach start teaching me English. So she told me if uh, I wanna like become an assistant grower. Okay. I did not, and by that time I was like not have an idea what that means, but it was like taking care of the plants and like spray chemicals and stuff like that, but I was afraid, and she teach me a lot, like the English that I talk now, that, that she was the one teach me that. I would imagine that was really hard work for you to learn English mm-hmm. on top of doing that kind yeah. of work, which is hard. Yeah, because anyway. she make me like like pictures and stuff like that. And whenever she needs, like she draw a picture and say, this is this. And every day she was like, how do you say this? No, 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 you don't have good pronunciation. You have to. And like my <laughs> English like not 100% good, but um, unless I can like having a conversation right now. Did your but, parents speak? Any, uh, right now English they then? understand more than they talk. They talk, but not. They okay. are shy. They they all, but they okay. they understand a lot. Did they learn that from you? Then did you? Well, did from you working. Okay. No, I don't teach. Them. <laughs> I try my the grandkids. They they t- try to teach them, but my <laughs> mom is the one that talks more. They 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 are hard with her. <laughs> but yeah, and I became a. Assistant grower and I start talking English. They pay me more and I stay there. After that, I get married. I got kids, so I quit because I was not able to spray chemicals when I was uh, pregnant. Right. And they want me to do it, and I quit. So after that, I work in the hotel and stuff like that. And then I came to courses. I start cleaning plants. I clean plants, and after that, after cleaning plants, and after one year, they moved me up, and I was like a crew leader. And then after one year, after that, they, I was in Sandusky, and they offered me another position in um, Castalia because it was two American girls. They quit both. They quit, so I take that position. And it was only me. So whatever they both, both they were doing, I was the one that was doing it. Okay, so and you were doing the work of... Yeah, of and two. with low pay. Until I, I talk. I said, like, I talked to my boss and said, you know, I need more money because it's not fair. I find out how much they were making, and I was not making, not even, not even close what they were making. So they did. They did. I really don't have nothing bad talk about the bosses that I have. They were great persons. They they treat us good. Maybe they don't pay enough, but after they see like they struggle with people because people were like looking for more hours or more higher rates. They they give us a raise for one dollar in less than three months, and then they they give us another one. So I know we worked. People worked at 7 to 1 a.m. So they work 7 a.m. In the morning, yes. Until 1 a.m. Yeah, well, we have breaks 
we have lunch and in the middle of that they they offer us pizza and the next day morning we have donuts and stuff like that i mean they they don't force us to work like they don't say oh you have to stay no we we stay because we need money you need the money mm -hmm. uh, how much were you making uh fifteen dollars and fifty cents and the other girl, the two girls that were up and like yeah. before that I was yes. in there, that were uh, they were more, yeah, they were making like 24 or more than them. Even after they, I, the course of rape happened, I find out that they try to hire another girl. They, they know nobody wants to take that job because it's, it's kind of a lot. I mean, um, and they will offer it like $20 per hour. That makes me upset me because yes. I was like um, doing the inventory, doing um, um, production, and like I have to know how many pads that we have, what kind of pads we have, how many of each, uh, how many we're gonna use, how many plants are we gonna plant that week or that day, where are they going, and every every week I have two days to count all all the basically all the um the crap um castalia i have to count every single plant it was hard because i have to know what goes for what store Los or home depot or what's gonna be ready and i have two days to finish that okay so these were plants going to I mean, this was a, this was a large yeah operation mm -hmm. and they were shipping plants to home stores like Lowe's and mm -hmm. Home Depot, yes. okay, and you were, it's, I mean, if you weren't in charge of inventory and deciding what inventory goes to what store, you had a lot of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, and after, and I have to receive, like I wasn't receiving because I, they give me the front office, so anything goes in there, like, um, any any packages or anything, I have to call. Okay, this is for whatever. I have to call them and say you have a package like that. Uh, plugs, I receive plugs. The ones like small plants, they have to replant those. Yes, I have to receive those, make sure they were okay. Um, sit those down because they come sometimes in carts or boxes. Okay. So I have a crew of people. Okay, were so helping you, me. you really were in a management position yeah. that you were in the front office and mm -hmm. you had a group of people working for you. Yeah. And you were making fifteen fifty, yeah, an hour. Um, and they give me that just some um, one year because I was twelve. So I was like for a whole year with twelve dollars. Okay. That. Mm -hmm. You went from tw tw doing that work for twelve dollars, yeah. but then up to fifteen. And how long had you been working at Corsas? Um, we say four, four years, four, four or five years, something okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I love, I really love what I was doing. I was, like, in the hurry all the time, like, because wherever they were planting that week, sometimes they call me and say, you know, the barcode is not working, so I have to, if I was counting outside plants and making sure they were ready, they call me in production, so I ran to production and see what was going on with the barcode or the price. And sometimes the shipping people call me and said, you know, this is a wrong price, or we ran out of this plant, what you, what else you have ready for us? Because we're shipping this plant for 2.5 gallons, and we need something else because right. it's 
stuff like that. Right. But I love it. You loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and like every morning I get and I have an office, like being in the United States without documentation with being illegal is almost impossible for for a person to do that because they always ask for like, okay, you have a school, which I don't have in here. I was at school in Mexico, but I don't have my degree or anything in here. And they give me the opportunity to be in there. And I set my goal in there. I was like talking to my husband and said, if they don't give me more money for the end of this year, I might quit because I know it was not fair. Even if I love it, I knew it was a lot what I was under my responsibility. But I love it. <laughs> but you love the job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And except for the pay, you felt yeah. like your your bosses treated you very well. Yeah. Except for the pay. Yeah. And how about the, your co-workers? Um, most of them were from Mexico as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And did you talk with each other with one another about your immigration statuses you every everybody in there we must we we know who okay. who was and who was not who got permit for work who was silly one we we know each other we don't talk to the white people because one of my co-workers asked me american do you legal we don't talk about it mm-hmm. you just say yeah we're afraid so yeah, we we don't we really don't talk about Americans if we are illegal or not. We don't. Mm-hmm. And so, let's start with June fifth of two thousand eighteen. A hard day for you still to think about and to talk about. Let's start with just how how the day began for you 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 showed up at work at seven yeah um, as usual and yeah i was like kind of late <laughs> not late but uh on time like seven i clock in at seven every day okay and you were but that day i was feel like i don't feel like really work today even i told my husband i don't want to go to work today and he's like just don't go i was like okay so by that time i give right to my brother and my cousin. Did so, they both work in courses yeah. too? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was going to test my brother to come and pick up my cousin because I was not feeling good. But uh, well, I woke up and I just show up earlier than usual. So we went to the office. Mm. They always wait for me to get ready like to tell them what to do okay so we were i clock in i opened the office and sit and i started looking my papers and all of a sudden we started like hearing these cards one and another one and another but we're going very very fast one of the girls was working on my team she went outside and looked she was like it's a lot of cards. I even make the joke and said, well, even if they late, why they are driving too fast? Because they're already late. Yeah. Right? And at that point, did you suspect anything? Or no. did you just think these were... I just stayed there until this girl went outside and 
When she opened the door in the office, I saw her face like pale and like scared. And her big eyes, she said, that's the migra, the migration. The migra, okay. The migra, we call it migra. And I just like went like, what? No. She's like, yeah. So she went and get my cousin and my, my brother. They came into the office and they locked it. I turn on the cameras on the computer and they were everywhere. So you from the from the uh ne- the camera network security network yeah. mm-hmm. you could watch yeah they what have the cameras. ICE officers were doing. Yeah. They they had cameras around the property so I was I have access to that so I was able to, to see in and at this like point, in you're the, locked in the office. Yeah. So, and then I see the camera goes, like, right in the entrance. They have, like, a car blocking the, the entrance. And they have a guy with a big gun. And I see, oh, it was a lot, a lot of guys with dogs. They had dogs, they, they had have, guns. They had guns, yes. Um, when you said big guns, were they... What kind of guns? I, I really don't know, like, the names. I just was, like, a raffle. I don't know, something big. Like, they have, like, from here, from the waist to, like, the top end. They were holding it like this. Okay. It was the upset part because, well, they don't need that. I mean, even if it, why, if we run, they would, like, shoot us or why they need that for. But they were all around the property. So we stay in there and we wait because my office was like, they, it was like the entrance and then they have like a little hallway. So you go in and they have the door for the office and they have another door where you go to the greenhouse. So they were like walking out through there and we can hear people like screaming and crying. And what did you see when you looked at the computer screens with the, the camera uh, network? Like... In front of my office, like every, not every day, but once a week, they have like a meeting for the growers. So they were the first one they get. It was, for the growers, it was like most white and black people. They get them. They stand them up and they they handicap them. Like they put something in their arms and they take them outside. Okay. And they were taking every single one. Doesn't matter white or black or no, doesn't matter. They took everyone and they put um, how you said on the arm, uh, like handcuffs. Handcuffs, yes. But okay. they they were doing like this. Okay, behind their back. Yeah. So they were handcuffing every everyone. single person yeah. they encountered. Mm-hmm. We they have old people for part times, like very old people, and okay. they do that to them too. Okay, so old people, young people, black, yeah. white. Mm-hmm. Brown. Yeah. It, they do that in Castalia. But my dad works at Sandusky. And he said in Sandusky they don't do that to the, just they do it to Hispanic people. They don't do it to white or black or old people. They just do it to Hispanic people. They put um, the hands okay. on the back. Okay. And that, and that was the Sandusky location yes. of Corsos. Yes. Okay. And they only... They only uh, handcuffed 
Hispanic. Hispanic people. Yeah. There. Okay. And we wait for a good 15 minutes until someone said, I can hear this say, do you got this door? And he's like, no, knock the door. So they start knocking in the office. And I was telling that girl because she, she was so scared. She always talk about how she was afraid if one day she gets stopped by the police and they will call the, uh, the immigration because she was like, uh, her husband was going to do her citizen because her husband was citizen, but she has to wait for I don't know how many years. But if they find out she was like here or working, she was going to lose her opportunity to have her citizen. Okay. So she was so afraid. So I look at her, I said, I'm going to open the door. She just was crying and looked at me and she said, no, please. I said, they're going to tear the door if I don't open it. So we were talking about, and when someone, like, they were, like, knocking the door very hard. Okay, so the ICE officers were banging on the door. Mm-hmm. So. And you said, I, we can't really hide mm-hmm. in here anymore. They know we're in here. And they opened the door. They just, like broke the door. They broke the door down. Mm-hmm. And they said, why, what, why you guys think you guys not gonna joke with us? We don't, don't come to joke. Stand up. And they just grabbed my arm and like very hard, just like turn me around and put my hands in the back. And they just put us outside. Okay. So you were all handcuffed then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were all taken outside. Um, do you know, did you have a sense for how many of you were there? And the office? Or yeah, or at, uh, it, it, um, at Corsos as a whole. Ooh. Not really, it was a lot of people. A lot of I people. know they took us, where I was in jail, we were 36 girls. But it was from Sandusky location and from Castalia, so okay. I really don't know how many place. Okay, so they've got you all now handcuffed mm-hmm. outside. And we waited all for hours until they were asking every single one, you from, where are you from? Um, you legal, how you came here? And they, they were asking every single one. So the ones like my brother is citizen, but they don't believe him. <laughs> He's like, no, you're Mexican. You're legal. So he said, yeah, I'm a citizen. So he had to prove that he was a citizen. So he showed them the, the license. They still don't believe him. So they took him somewhere because they have computers and stuff. They were prepared. Okay. They have something to check down on if, I don't know if it was... Uh, real, I don't know. So they took him, and and the, we we basically we were waiting for until they checked every single all of us. So we stayed there. I will say till ten, ten thirty, eleven, something like that, until the we saw the big uh, boss came. And okay, so it was about three hours. You <coughs> stood outside and handcuffed while <coughs> yeah they went through each one of you. Yeah. Then what happened? So they take us on the bus, 
and we asked where we going they did they don't say anything so we go in the bus and all the guys from the border patrol were in the bus but they were like not sitting in the seats so they were standing on the hallway in the bus okay and they were taking selfies they were making fun they were taking selfies yeah and they were like making fun and said it was like a big hit and yeah we got it and then they were making very bad jokes about us can you can you give us an idea of you said very bad jokes yeah what did they say they were laughing and said um we got them and they were laughing and they will say yeah uh, a big day is will be a big party at night and stuff like that so they're already making plans for how they're going to party to celebrate the big day they had yeah they're rounding you all up mm-hmm. so um we asked them where we're going and they were not answering us one of them were he was just like I asked him can you tell us please so we can tell our family where we're going he's like oh probably uh, we're just gonna take you guys to Port Clinton so yeah they did and it was like a big big building where they already have everything set with tables computers chairs and like portable bathrooms so we go up there and I can see all all the people on our way there one of them said um, oh don't worry because I they speak Spanish so I don't know if some of the people of the girls were with us say something about Sandusky I don't know because one of them said oh don't worry we got Sandusky as well and it's when I think about my dad but thanks God he's a resident so they just he was just afraid and I know he was crying a lot because when we get to Park Clinton we can see the other girls and the other guys from the other location and we start talking to each other and one of them said yeah do dad was like so mad and crying and asked them do you have a permit to come over here because I know you have to have a paper where it says that you are allowed to come in here and stuff like that so you were in a detention center there yeah and um, did you spend the rest of the day there ah no we stay there and they were like checking every single one of us they have our um, fingerprints okay and they were like naming people like uh, they go with you and have like a big book I will say it with pictures so okay. they say what's your name you said the name and they will look for you if, okay. and they I know the paper was for like if was people with bad record 
Mm-hmm. And we'd had criminal, yeah, some something kind of like criminal that. Criminal record, mm-hmm. okay. And all they have it was like, I know there was girls and guys that were get deported like years ago, and they have the pictures in that book. And they were like, you go there, no, you go there, and they were like starting people like coming. Okay, go to the bus, and they were naming people get off the bus and then all of you guys coming off the bus and go this section so we we stayed there for like we'll say till seven five five we'll say five because we get after there they put us in the bus and they take us to um detroit okay so then you got on a bus you went to detroit Mm -hmm. which is about a three-hour bus ride two two hours two hours yeah something like that probably so we get to Detroit. Did they tell you you were leaving the state? Mm-mm. No. Okay. They don't. They just. They don't talk to us to give us any information. What they were doing? Nothing. They were just asking questions and just nothing. And you can see like a group of them laughing, laughing very hard, like. Making, I, I will say making jokes because they will say something we cannot hear them, but start laughing. Okay. Laughing. And then we get to Detroit. By that time, I can still use my cell phone. I have my cell phone in my pocket. So, because I have my hands over here, but I put them on the front. Okay, I so you're trying hands to lose them. Still, mm-hmm. You're still handcuffed oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the whole yeah, time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Okay. Until we get to Detroit is when they they take them off. But I still I put my hands in front of me and I start texting my husband and send him the location where I was. So he told me you are in Detroit. I said, well, well, we now we are now here. Was that the only? Uh, communication at that point you'd had yeah. with anybody in your mm-hmm. family so you hadn't been able to call anyone yeah yeah we know? did we because we, we they don't for some of us they don't take their cell phones I mean like they took the cell phones and in Port Clinton because they were asking if they have any properties or anything like that they, they put it in a big bag but a lot of us we don't give them our cell phones so okay. we still were using our cell phones on the bus. I called my mom when I was from Castalia going to Port Clinton is when I called my mom. And I called my husband. And we get to Port Clinton, we cannot use our cell phones because we are, they were telling us if we use them, they were taking the cell phones away. So we don't use them when they were like asking questions and stuff like that. And then in our, our way... On the bus to Detroit is when I, we start texting. So it's when I text my husband. When we get in Detroit, they is when they take all everything. Like they take our bags and um, everything. They take our all properties. They take even our our hand. Um, Your hair clips. Yes, and... everything. Okay. We are like with well, the hairs are crazy. <laughs> They put it in a bag, and then is when we lost communication at Detroit. Okay. So it was the same day, the 5th, when we get to Detroit. We were hungry. We were not eating anything 
in the whole day. So you weren't so, fed the whole time mm -mm, no. from seven in the morning until yeah. you arrived. Until in we asked and Troy and we said uh, we were hungry and they were not answering us. They were so busy with because it was a lot, a lot of people. So you'd gone twelve hours without food or water. Uh, yeah, they put us in a very small room. It was like three rooms. A small like. Half, not even half of this room. It was a small room. So they put, in my room it was like nine girls. Okay. And I really don't know, I really don't know how many girls there were in the other room. Because they make groups. They took some people to Detroit and the other people stay, I think, in Port Clinton. I don't know where they take them. Okay, so they split you all up. Mm -hmm. We were split some of the guys too. Because it was like, the garage, and then we go in the garage with the bus, and then we go in this, like, office, and they have three rooms. So they split girls in these two rooms. This one, this room, the first room, it was empty because it was, like, more than 40 guys, and they leave the 40, more than 40 guys on the garage. Okay. They just leave them in there. By that time, they still handcuff they for the girls they take our handcuffs off when we go in the rooms the room was okay small and cold small and cold and you were hungry yeah and tired yes and very scared by yeah that point, mm -hmm. I would think well we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back with Lizette, and we will soon hear from Lizette's 11-year-old daughter, Maggie, about what it was like to be without her mother in that time period. We'll be back in just a minute. What they tell us how they compel us I know what it's like to wonder what is true in the speeches, the ignorant preachers I know what it's like to be resented too In the brackish great unknowns I'm left to question what I saw We'd love to hear from you. If you have feedback, suggestions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at voices at heartlandwoman.com Welcome back. We're here with Lizette and her daughter Maggie. And Lizette is among the people who were detained by an ice raid, by the largest ice raid in a workplace in 10 years in Norwalk, Ohio, which is in Northeast Ohio. And Lizette, you had just finished by telling us about the day that you were detained by ICE officials and what happened. And then you were saying that you had been handcuffed, you all at gunpoint, and you all had been transported to Detroit and at this point had not had food or water in about 12 hours. Yeah. What happened next? Okay. We stayed there for, we get there the 5th, 
and on the 5th of June yeah. 2018 mm -hmm. okay and we stay there and we just wait they were calling us in and out like they call my name and put me on in front of uh, officer and he started me asking questions which they did to every single of us more than one time Okay, so you were repeatedly questioned. What kinds yeah. of questions did the officers uh, they ask? They asked uh, if each one it was just kind of the same and different questions. Like they asked me when you came here, what, what, for where, from where, like from Texas or what border do you cross? How you did it? Uh, how many years? Uh, how they pay you and courses like they pay you cash or stuff like that? How much do you make? What do you do? And the same questions to me over and over. Okay. They were asking me what you do, what you were doing in the office, because when they took me off of the office, one of the guys said, we're going to ask you separately from the other girls what you was doing. So they were, like, pointing me all the time. I know the courses was a lot. It is investigating. I don't know if they finished with that or not. Yes, in the process, they, because they think they were hiring people like they know they were that they were illegal and they were still mm -hmm. hiding like that, mm -hmm. but I know they don't. I know they they don't, and they thought that was like have something to see with that. So they were asking me more, like kind like screaming to me like, why we're doing it, uh, how you came here, uh, what it was your position at courses and stuff like that. Okay. So over and over. And we were still hungry. <laughs> and you still hadn't eaten. Mm -mm. It was, I will say, 10 when we asked for food. Okay, for so 10 in the evening. You were first detained at 7 in the morning. Yeah. And finally at 10 o'clock that night, mm -hmm. they you asked us, for food. Yeah, and they said, oh, yeah, we are cooking it for you guys. They give us a soup it was um soup I, I i i don't know what it was but it was potato and it was something else but it was like you can tell it was spoiled like it was not good it tastes horrible we, we were hungry so it was a small plate they just give us one scoop of those i don't know how you said okay a ladle full. yeah okay each one got a ladle full mm -hmm. of very bad as you said tasting spoiled yeah. soup. Yes. So we stay up all night. It was super cold. I don't know if they do that on purpose, but it was super, super cold. Were you given uh, space to, to sleep? No. It was just a room with a concrete bank, bench. Okay. And it was like a toilet right in there. Okay. So you were put in a room just with a bench and a toilet. Mm -hmm. And until the next day, we stay all day the next day until 7 p.m. Okay. Yeah. But in the next the next day in the morning, it was 8 a.m. when they give us the same soup. Okay, so you had the same soup then yeah. in the morning. Yeah, so they, but they still were the questions. And then when I go outside, not outside, but outside of that room, it was like a, like an office. So when we go there, I can 
see the guys on the garage. They were like in the floor. Okay. So you could see you could see where the men were. Yeah. They 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 still handicapped. And the men were handcuffed. All still yeah. handcuffed. Yeah. All day for for almost two days they were like this in this position. And when I was like on the with the officer, I can see one guy of them ask them if he can use the restroom and he said, Yeah, go ahead, use this one. So he was like with the hands in the back and he said, Well, I go into number two and he started laughing and say, Go ahead. They said, You're not gonna take them off. He said, No, just go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> even even to use the restroom the men still yeah. were handcuffed. Yeah. So for the girls, they they tell us come out of the room, and we they line it up. up. Mm-hmm. We are in line, and they have these two bands, two big cars bands, mm-hmm. and they put, okay. yeah, they put they tie our knees, our um, feet. They put it together with a chain. They put a chain on the waist, and they put the okay. So you were shackled. Yes. So you so you had chains that went around your ankles uh-huh. and went around you again at the waist, and then the hands. and then tied your wrists together. Yeah. Okay. And they put us in the van. Okay. And they were were telling them where we going. And they were started laughing and said, yeah, we're taking you guys home. And another guy said, yeah, to Mexico. And the other one said, I wish. It's still a process. Don't be afraid. You guys not going anywhere. You guys still in the process. So they they put us in the van and they, they start, we start, like, they start driving. They don't tell us where they were taking us or anything like that. Okay, you still don't know where you're going. Mm-mm. And and they hadn't really told you. You knew you were in Detroit because of your husband My, being yeah. able to use mm-hmm. the GPS to locate you. Yeah, but after that, we we lost communication. Okay. Were you ever informed by the officers that you were in Detroit? No. No, Mm-mm. you had no idea where you were. No. And one of the officer, just one. It was so nice. I mean, I can talk bad about them, all of them, but it will be fair as well to say he was so nice. He was telling us, don't be afraid. You guys going to be okay. After here, you guys are going to a jail at Battle Creek at Michigan. Be calm. Don't cry. Don't Don't show them you guys are upset even if you guys are you has has to be strong and we were afraid and we were not strong but we have to so they take us to Barrow Creek they drove for like good two hours I don't know it was it was dark when we get to Barrow Creek we, we they take us in there and they put us a orange uniform. Like a jumpsuit? Yeah. Okay. 
so when we get there they uh, start like again asking questions and we start like signing papers and they give us a sandwich and a uh, juice apple juice so it's when we they give us a number where we have to we have the opportunity to call our families for 30 seconds you could call your family for 30 seconds yes so I call my husband and I barely talk I just said they tell us that we're in Michigan and Barrow Creek I'm okay and that's all I talked to him and your 30 seconds was up because they start counting into your put your number and they have to you have to say your name and then you have to say uh, United States of America uh, and then you wait for a little bit so the, your 30 seconds start counting since you start putting your numbers in so we just go into this big another big room with bunk beds and they put us all 35 36 girls in that room it wasn't nine so the other group they stay in Port Clinton it was already in there so okay. remember that I said they split right. that so they split the other you group. up originally and then you were all taken to this central point in Battle Creek, Michigan. Yes. Mm -hmm. How long did you stay there? A month. A month. Yeah. Yeah, it was a month. So the next morning you woke up and you were there like a criminal. You were in prison, yeah. basically. They treat us like criminals. I mean, I know there were like times they we take like outside break with it was a place with other criminals that were in there, but not outside of the their cells. They locked them in the cells when we were in there, but they were white and black people. They were like real criminals. Okay. And some people kill people, some people for drugs and stuff like that. They were with us. So you were, you were imprisoned with people who had been convicted. Yeah. Some of violent crimes. I, I want to ask you here because you'd been very strong talking about the day of June 5th when it happened. But when you were talking about the officer telling you to stay strong, yeah, you started to cry. And I'm wondering what, why, and I mean, it's all a horrific story, but what about that and the memories you have of that? Because... They were treating us bad. And after all that, you see a guy, which are a, from immigration part, like officer. Yes. And it's, it's when you see that there is God. 
you see that it's still good people. Not all of them were bad. <laughs> Even when we were in Barrow Creek, it was officers. They were taking care of us. Like, they have two shifts. Seven to seven, and they have switch girls. <laughs> there were some that were so mean. They were, like, super mean. But a couple of them were, like, so nice to us. Some of them said, I know, guys, that you are not criminals, but it's our job to be like that. We have to be like that. So one day we were in there. They woke us up on the morning and started screaming, and they start saying name of a girl, and nobody speak English. And the officer don't speak Spanish, so I was the only one speaking English in there. Okay, so, so was, you had to really be a translator yeah. for the 36 women that were yeah. in the prison with mm-hmm. you. And the hard part for me was when they say a name of this girl. It was, she was, I would say 21, 22, something like that, and they started yelling her name, and they told me, take her to the intake. So we were wondering where she's going, and they said take her her stuff. They make her take all her stuff, which is a cup, a spoon, a a blanket, and her uniform. Thank you. And I take her to intake, and one of the officers were like laughing and said, "I asked her." Where she's going, and they start like, well, they buy a ticket for her, and she's going back home. She wouldn't understand that, and I look at her, and she was like afraid and shaking and crying, and I say, you're gonna be okay, and she's like, where I'm going, and the officer said in Spanish, are you going to Mexico? Here, and she show the paper where it says that she was going to Mexico. I said, but. She still need to be seen for a judge. She still need to go to court. She has her liar. She had right. And they start laughing. No, no, no. She's going to Mexico. They buy a ticket. I say, who buy the ticket? I don't know. They just buy it. And you know, they're going to do this for all of you guys. Tell you girls. Go and tell them, even if they have a lawyer, they're going to Mexico. Because immigration is doing this. They're just going to take everybody to Mexico. They're not going to give them the chance to stay. So you were... So you were told, <clears throat> basically, you didn't have any rights to a lawyer. Yeah, but none of that mattered. Said. It mm-hmm. didn't... They had already made a decision you yeah. were being deported. Mm-hmm. So they tell her, to, okay, take your uniform, put your clothes on, and see ya. And the other one, the other officer say, yeah, bye-bye. And the other one said, <clears throat> well, it's, these people, is, they are like cockroaches. You spend all this energy to try to catch them or kill them, and they, we, we take more time doing this than they will come back. So she turned and said, "Yeah, you're gonna come back. I know you guys. You guys are like cockroaches, like I said. 
and they just look at me and say, go to your cell. We're done with her. So they told me to go to my cell. So I look at that girl and she was like shaking and crying and said, call my husband, please. They don't know. She got kids and her husband. She had kids and a husband and could not see them, could not see a lawyer, could not speak with the judge. And disappeared. Yeah. Did you ever see her again? Uh, no. 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 So I went to the cell and of course I didn't tell them any of this. I mean I told them that she went to Mexico but I then told the girls where they were seen because they already were afraid, they already were scared, they already were nervous, upset. So I just told them that they take her to Mexico and if someone of them know her husband, please call him because she didn't have the opportunity to call her family here to tell them that she was going to go to Mexico. All of we know, after that, we know that they just take her to Mexico and drop her at Monterey, which is very north. She yes. was like from south, way in the south, Chiapas. They put it in Monterey and just leave her in there. And through all of this, you have a guard who's telling you that you're all like cockroaches. Yes. No matter how much we try to get rid of you or kill you, you come back. Yes. And on that note, we'll take another short break and be back with Lizette and with her 11-year-old daughter, Maggie. Lizette, can um, you tell us some of what the conditions for the month that you were in detention, what were they like? Um, like I said, it was super cold. Sometimes they give us a break, one hour, one hour every day to go outside. If it was so hot outside, they would not let us go outside. Um, they woke us up at 5 every morning to have a breakfast, which was a hard egg with a glass of milk. Well, it was just like a little carton so milk. You, right, so you got and, an egg and a carton and of milk oatmeal. for breakfast. Okay, and oatmeal. And sometimes it was like a teaspoon of uh, peanut butter and two white braids, sometimes. And... We woke up, we have to eat, go to bed again, till you are allowed to stand up again at 7.30 in the morning. 
and eleven it was our lunch, which it was horrible. Sometimes we don't even know where it was. We look at and we were like, well, I don't know what is that. Sometimes we eat it. Sometimes it was so horrible that we don't need it. And at five, it was our last, our last meal. Um, we got hot. It was hot water to take a shower, but you have hours like you have to like a schedule from uh 11 or t from I would say 12:30 till 5 you can take a shower and then from 7:30 at night till 9:30 you can make phone calls or shower or watch TV okay um and during this time, were you able to meet with a lawyer? Um, yeah, just with a lawyer. Sometimes um, they come and visit us. We'll have people, they come and visit us. But uh, now our family. We are not allowed to see our family. You're not allowed to see no. your family. We just have to, they have to make like an appointment to see us by video. Is all they can do. They, okay, sort of a Skype. Yeah, um, some, they have like a screen in there. Okay, but not visits like to see it. But the lawyer work will come and talk to us. It was about him. Did did anyone ask when you were arrested or after that if you had children at home that needed? to be cared for? Yes. They they ask us in the first place that we went in Port Clinton. They ask every single mom if they had kids and where they were. And some like I said yes. And they asked me are they okay? I say yeah. Some of them said um they were with a babysitter. And other girl I know like two or three girls they have their sons or daughters working in that time at courses, right. so they let them go, but they put something in their knee, but they let them go. Like it were, there were like three girls. Okay. They let them grow. Okay. Um, were you able to be in? Was everybody able to be in steady contact with their children to make sure that their children were being yeah. cared for? Yes. We by that time we, if our family put us money in our account because they every single one of us we have a, like a account, so our our family has to put money so that way we can call them. Okay, so you could only call your kids if you had money. family who mm -hmm. put money yeah. in. Yes. Um, was that the only way you had access yes. to being able to talk to your yeah. kids? Mm -hmm. um, because they cannot call us and we only have to call them. But if they make a, an appointment or something by internet to watch us in a media, in video, mm -hmm. they had to pay and they give us a 25 minutes to talk in a video. But it was not working. <laughs> And it went okay. And the means you had, the video means you had, wasn't working. Do you know how much a uh, phone call was? 
No, I know I spent. They, my family put over than two hundred dollars. Family put $200. yeah because they call we have to it was I would say five dollars for fifteen minutes. Five dollars for a fifteen minute call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that two hundred dollars also had to go to pay for some basic. Necessities. Yes. If you, I mean, if you want to eat something else or have a coffee or sugar or salt, then you have to use that money to buy it. You had to buy salt. You had to buy sugar. Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, I'll just ask you, what about um, women and menstrual supplies? Were those provided? Yes. I will not say nothing bad about that because they have a big bus box where we can just ask the the word the sergeant was in that time and say that you need it and did you scrap it but yeah okay what if you were on some medication they ask you what kind of medication and they have to have like a prescription from their doctors and yeah they they were like some people some of the girls they have diabetes so they will give them the uh, insulin like uh, they were coming at the room two or three times a day and they were checking the blood pressure and the the the, the sugar the blood sugar for the diabetes but yeah but okay. if you have like a headache, no, you don't. They 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 just don't give you anything for headache. And that time you have to fill out a they call it a kite, which is like a basically a paper, and you have to put a paper in the box. If like it was a girl, they have something in her eye, and her eye was like super swell, and even if the guy or the, um, the girl was like um, the sergeant it was in that time saw her eye he was like feel a, a kite you need to fill out a paper and you need to see by a doctor she did three days after that the doctor called her so I take her to to um, the clinic I would say and the doctor said you're fine just put hot water and you're right, you will be okay. She asked, like, you gonna give me anything? He's like, well, I will give you something for, because I was itching, so just, I was just gonna give you something for that. And that's all she get. And during that time period, you really had to serve, it sounds like, as the, the translator yeah. for the women. Mm-hmm. There were no other translation services provided? No. Actually, um, when we get in there the first day, they have another, another um, people. They were in jail too. They speak Spanish, so they have to translate for us. They have a, they call it a um, baggy, good, very good, or something like that. Because every time that you translate, the sergeant had to sign this paper. So when you they do have a whole signatures. Do you have 
they fill it all up you give it away and they give you a bag with cookies and with coffee and this is every week okay. is what you get for being a for translator week. for being a translator yeah you got a goodie bag a goodie bag of yeah. coffees and cookies yeah which they never give it to me I have the first week I feel they fill it up so I was so happy and say here's my because also you have to clean yourself you have to have two people every day to clean the bathrooms sweep map and um, and clean you just basically clean the tables and stuff every every week these two girls they were have the same goodie bag, and I was for two weeks, so I was so happy because I said, okay, I'm just gonna have my goodie bag because I was cleaning, and my goodie bag because I was a translate. When I give it away, they were saying, well, no, because we have problems with the girls in charge of this, so not this week. The next week, nothing. Even if I buy stuff, they don't take my money from my account. But they don't give me my stuff that I supposedly was buying because they have problems. So we not none of us they give us anything that we bought. They don't take the money, but they don't give us anything. So we have to wait for another week because you put your order on Sundays, and they say they will give you your order on Wednesdays. Never until the very last week they came in when I told. The sergeant, you know what? Nobody else wants to clean. I don't want to clean and I don't want to translate because it's a lie. You guys never give us anything that you guys said that was we was going to receive. And and how did the sergeant respond when you She when was you... like, Well they have to clean because you guys have a microwave, you guys have to have access to T V and a hot water for a coffee. We should we never have a coffee. Um and they're gonna take take all those privilege because you guys not want to clean anymore so we're gonna take them away from you guys you guys have to clean and I said well nobody else wants to do it because they never receive what you guys said so she didn't say nothing in that moment but after the next day they came in with those bags and they okay. gave it to us they give me five bags on the, and on the time I, so I have five bags of coffee my last week Five S or cookies and chips in my last week. Let's talk about your last week there. As in, how did you finally? What what happened? What were the circumstances by which you were finally released? Um. Well, um, they told me after three weeks that I was going to have a court on July 5th so which I did we all were never nervous because we don't know what to expect on the court we don't know if how much they were will ask for a bond because they were talking sometimes the bonds were $10,000 $12,000 even $20,000 so I was so blessed that I was only a thousand and five hundred dollars for my bond. Okay. So when they told me that, I was super happy. That it was not 
a lot of money. Some of the other girls, they were 7,000, 5,000, 6,000, 2,000. Did there seem to you to be any rhyme or reason about why one bond would be $10,000 and another I, bond be $1,000? I think they go by the years of if they have kids or because the, the girl was like $10,000. She only have like, I think, two years in here and she had no kids. But I don't know if it depends by the judge. Because one of the girls, what, nine years living in here with three kids, and she was $6,000. And other girls, same year, same kids, by seeing by another judge, she was only $2,000. So I don't know if it has to see with the judge or with the lawyer. I, I really don't, don't know. And um, so you waited a month to just be able to keep a bond yes I know still two three girls still in there one is a, well two of them is a girl a lady 60 65 years old she's still in there and we are now at the end of August 2018 so they have been in there for three months yes and have yet to be able to see a judge yeah. to make an arrangement they for say bond. One of them is 65 years old. Yeah, and she have her court. The first day, she, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened, but they give her another court. When she have her other court, they say they were, the power was not working, so they canceled her court. So <sighs> they give her another court to September 3rd, I will say something like that. So she has to wait until then. And Lizette, what is your status now? I don't know. You don't know? I mean, I I am waiting for my other court, but they told me, the lawyer told me that I can be able to apply for a permit for work. So they're going to give me a permission for work. So I had to apply for it. But I have to pay $410 for that permit. I have to pay $250 to change my court because they give me my court in Detroit. So that court has to be changed to Cleveland. So I have to pay $250 for change. And then I have to pay $185 for, I think, for my fingerprints or something like that. Plus whatever the um, lawyer was going to charge me. And I cannot work or drive. You are, the court has forbidden you from working. I mean, I don't, I know that I have to drive because I have no driver license, but right. I, for work, I mean, not um, I can't work. And you have three children. Yes. And you went from working hard how many hours a week i mean i i, I didn't it sounds like you were working a lot of 12 yeah, hour days yeah on summer and summer i make like 120 hours every 2 weeks 
Okay, oh, more so than see that. we're working 60 hours a week. No. Sorry. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And yes. then, mm -hmm. and you can't work at all Nothing, now, yeah. which I'm assuming has had a pretty big impact on your family. Oh, yeah. You have three children. Yes. Uh, how are you getting by? Well, I got my husband. <laughs> your hu and but your husband is a citizen? No. Mm -hmm. So, that's a hard part. That's because you, we live afraid still. Because at any time he can be taken to. And where where he works right now, um, it was people working. They have to quit because they told them that the same thing it was going to happen. He worked at green uh, greenhouse too. So they said the medication is going to come. So a lot of people quit. Mm -hmm. So I asked him if he was going to quit. And he said, how? How are we going to leave if I quit? So he's risking to go to work every single day because I don't know what's going to happen. You have three children. Yeah. And we still have to leave. But thanks God, we have a help from a lot, a lot of people, Americans, that are helping us a lot. And it, helping you how? Okay, way? they have a, a small room by the church with uh, people is, uh, taking food. Okay. They give us eggs, milk, um, okay. a lot so of different food. So your neighbors basically have set up a, a kind of food pantry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the the people from church, not just Catholic church, from different churches are okay. coming, and teachers, like they have in groups, and they come and give us sometimes as like um, a gift certificates from stores, uh, gas gift certificates, uh, and if you need to eat or anything you need, you just go there and you find anything you need. And for now, they are helping us to, this is the last month they will help. But since that day, they are helping us to pay our rent. What do you see for you and your family when you think about the future? Well, I think if I, I'm expecting to get my work permit. So my work permission, if I do which I hope I will look for a better job and keep working and keep because working. This, was, this is what we are here for to support our families and and to be like I'm expecting if if I can do something like finish my school and have my degree to have a better job I will do it because I, like I said, I never like to stay and just want, just like this, what they have me, because I have no school or anything, so it's all I can get just to be in that position that I was, but I know I can be more than that, so if I can finish anything at school, I would do it and get a better, better job, but we just had to wait, that's all I can, we can do for now, just wait. 
We'll take another short break and be back with Lizette's daughter, Maggie, and hear her perspective on what's happened to her family. What they tell us, how they compel us, I know what it's like to wonder what is true. In the speeches, the ignorant preaches, I know what it's like to be If you like what you hear, please tell, well, everybody about us. For more information, links, and other great stuff, check out our website, www.heartlandwoman.com. Welcome back to Heartland Woman. We're here now with Maggie, who is Lizette's 11-year-old daughter, Maggie, thanks for talking to us today. (laughs) This is a new experience for Maggie. Uh, It's a new experience for all of us. Um, Maggie, you're very brave. You sat here listening to your mom tell her whole story. Was that the first time you'd heard her tell the story? Mm, A couple of times, kind of. Yeah, you've heard it a little bit before? Yeah. But, but not, not the full whole but story. Not the full story. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like hearing your mom tell the story? I was really um sad to hear how they treated her and how means they were, but at least that they were uh, a bit helpful at least to yeah. help her. And I kinda of felt um like how I would feel if I were there. Like what would have been happening. Yeah. You've had a hard summer. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're um you were probably just had probably just finished the school year when your mom went to work one day and she didn't come home. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what that time was like? Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? I was I was wondering, like, why wasn't she coming back? And I thought probably she is, like, in traffic or something. Or that she has extra work to do. And then when it was dark outside still, I still wondered why isn't she coming back. And then my dad kept telling me, well, telling us that um, that she's going to be working a lot. And that... She isn't coming back, and she's just going to keep working, and I didn't want that. I just wanted her to come home, because I thought it was too much work for her. And I thought, is she getting sleep, or is she okay? And then, um, um, before it happened, well, when it was the day that happened, Mm -hmm. um, it was morning, and then, um, my grandma came to my house, and she said that we had to go. And I wondered why, and then we left, we went in the car, and we went to my aunt's house. And I don't know, I didn't know where, why we were going there. And, well, when we were in the car, my my sister asked my grandma what, what happened. And she said that it was the, the migration. Immigration? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I didn't know what that was. 
and then she, I told her what is what is that, and then she said, it's where like if you don't have papers or something, that they'll take you. And then, and I I asked my grandma, did they take my mom? And she said, no, no, she didn't. They didn't. But I didn't really know if she did or not, so I thought she was okay. But then I also asked, like, my dad is okay, right? And I wasn't sure, and they said, yeah, he's okay. And then later I noticed that she, they took her. How, when did you find out that well, your not, mom was gone? I'm not really sure when, but I just remember that they actually okay. just told the truth that they that they actually took my mom, and I felt really sad. And then my sister and my brother felt very sad and that we didn't know why that why this was happening and that why is it meant to happen. Oh, I bet you cried a lot. Mm-hmm. Until, I, I, until my mom started calling us and then um, I would hear my dad talking to her and then we would... He would let us talk to her. And then my mom told me that if I was happy, she would be happy. Yeah. That's how much she loves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, I, I bet your little brother asked you questions. Because your brother's how old? Um, Like six or seven, I think. Seven. He's seven? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure none of you really understood what was happening, but I'm sure especially for him it was really confusing and hard. <laughs> did you try to explain to him what was happening? Yeah. What did you tell him? I'm like that uh, they came to her work and probably they just took her, but she's going to be okay in that. That he doesn't have to worry because uh-huh. I know that someday that she's going to come back and that probably she's not going to be there for that long. But I was wrong. She was staying there for like a month. And that was a really long time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I thought she would just be coming back like in a week or so. My sister said that she would be coming um, like one time she said, oh, she's going to she's gonna come next week. Don't worry. But then she never came. And then she said, oh, probably she's going to come like at the end of this um, month. And then later... Um, it was like, I don't remember, but when it was the end of the month, she wasn't there, and then I was sad, and I said, where's my mom? Where's our mom? And then she said, I don't know. And then she, I asked, like, is she still there? Like, like, is she still taken? And they said yes, and then I didn't know when she was coming, but then later we went to go like I think we went to Michigan or somewhere okay. and then I was with my dad and my grandma my sister wasn't with us or my brother but I remember why they didn't come or something I don't know but we went there to see like a, I think a lawyer or somebody like mm-hmm. there's this guy that that my dad was talking to and also my grandma I couldn't really understand what they were saying that much because I was still thinking about my mom and yeah. like of what was happening, and then um, they said that they that that she was gonna come out later or something, and then um, 
later, uh, like a couple of days pass, and then we went with my uncle, and um, we went to this place that looked like a little place, and then he pressed like a button that you could talk to somebody. He pressed the button and then this lady said, like, hello, and he said, like, we're here for Lisette, and I thought, is she going to come out? Is she finally going to come to us? And then, and then, um, she said, like, in 20 minutes, and then later, we've been waiting in that room, like, for, like, 20 minutes, as she said, and there's also somebody else there, too, okay. and they were, like, talking to them, too, and then... They were just swing there, and I I said, is 20 minutes already passed? And she, my dad said, yes, but I don't know if there is. I think there's going to take more time. And then I was still, like, waiting. And there's this door that I saw, like, there's, like, a window. It looked like where you could, there's, like, this person. It looked like if you could talk to somebody through the window. Like, you could see uh -huh. them, but they're on the other side, and you could talk to them right there. And I was, like, looking through, and I could see, like, people... Uh, it was like the window was very blurry, so I couldn't really very see. And I was like looking, I was peeking, and I saw like people walking around, and I saw like, these like little cells, and I saw like somebody in uh orange suit, and um, and I just figured like is it like a prison or something? And then I saw somebody had like this stuff in their hands, carrying it, and they were and that they weren't in their orange suit. And I'm, like, wondering who's that. And it wasn't my mom. It was just somebody else that got to came out. It was this guy that got to came out. And then he, he said, like, I forgot what he said, but he said, I'm finally out. And then my dad said, good for you. And, like, stuff like that. But I don't remember. And that guy f looked so happy. And then he had, like, in his hands, he had his, like, stuff. And that, I think he had the orange jumpsuit. I'm not sure. But then he left, and then I, I wondered, is that going to happen to my mom? Like, is she finally going to come out? And later we were waiting and waiting until my sister and brother got bored, and I also did. And then my sister asked, could we go back in the car and wait? And then my dad said, if you want. And my brother wanted to go too, but I didn't want to go. I just stayed with my uncle. <laughs> and my dad went to go put, get in the car with them, like just to wait. And then when they were already leaving, like a little, like I think a minute or so, um, like a couple of seconds, I think, then my I, I see the door open, and then my mom walked out there. <laughs> my mom was there, and I started to be very happy, and my uncle quickly went to hug her. And then I saw how she was crying. I was crying. And I said, they're here. And then we went outside, and we went to that parking lot, and we went to go um, show my um, my my dad and my sister and brother. And we were just, like, hugging her, walking uh. to, the par to the parking lot. And then I saw my dad, and he saw, he looked at my mom, and he quickly went down the stairs, like, running. And then... My my sister and my brother didn't see, but then when they looked, they quickly came. My brother was crying, and my sister, too. They were just all hugging her. And we went in the car, we were just talking, and then we were just really happy that she was back home and that we could finally be here with her. 
Is that one of the happiest memories you ever had? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet it was. Mm -hmm. I bet it was. Where were you the whole, well, your mom was gone. Were you with your grandma? Were you with your dad? Well, Do you mostly. remember where you stayed? Did you stay at home? Yeah, we were just at home. We, my dad was taking care of us, just like us three. And I think like sometimes he would go to work, but my grandma would be there to take care of us. She would usually like come in our house and then check on us, and she would go back to her house because we live right next to each other. So, yeah, and then um, we would be okay, but then my dad would have to like mostly like cook and clean, but we yeah. would help him clean. So good, <laughs> good and, for you. <laughs> and he would also have to cook a lot because we would be hungry, and it was just like the three of us. Yeah. And it, sometimes. Um, we were allowed to go to the store to buy food because, like in our pantry, we don't have that much food. So then um, we have to get like bread or probably also milk or some eggs or bacon. And then um, he would cook for us and he would clean and that would also help. And it, sometimes we would um, just call our mom. Like she would call us and we would be talking to her a lot. And then there was this one time where I was in my room with my sister. Mm -hmm. And then I heard my brother crying. And then I quickly went to see what happened. And then he was with my mom calling and he said that he missed her. And he was crying to my mom saying that, please come back. He was really crying a lot. And I felt sad for him. And then I was calling her too. And then... Well, I felt sad, and then I said, when are you coming back? And she said, I don't know. And then I really missed her. I wanted her to come back home, but she wouldn't. And I knew that she would be here, there for a very long time. But I didn't want her to be there for a very long time. What What was the hardest part about having your mom gone for that whole time? Like, I, I didn't feel happy at all. Like... I was just like sad that I felt like like if she was like never there, I was just thinking like I was just imagining that that is this how it feels like if I would never had a mom and just a dad trying to help us like cooking for us and just doing his work, trying to get the money and trying to get that money to like have enough money to for food and water. And, all that and and I thought that's really hard work and I could see like how hard it is for my dad to do all that just for us and my mom gone like like if I never had one at all I would feel like who who else can I love like I have no other mom I don't have a mom and she's all gone and I can't see her no more I guess I, I thought she was going to be gone forever. And I thought they were going to take her to Mexico. We can't see her. For, like, never. So you must have been really scared. Mm -hmm. Do you feel happy now? You said you weren't happy the whole time she was gone. Yeah. Do you feel happy now? Yeah. Yeah? I'm relieved that she's now here with us. And now that I can see her and that I don't have to go through all the times without her yeah 
And you're getting ready to start school tomorrow. Yeah. So things will start to feel a little normal again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to any of your friends well, about what happened? Well, there was this one time where we went to, like, the rec center, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I saw my friend Zoe there, and she said that she saw something, like, on the news, and that something about like, the immigration or something like that. Mm -hmm. She heard about it just a little bit, though. And then I told her about it and that my mom was gone. And then I told her that I don't know when she's coming back. And she said that, are you going to be okay? And I said, yeah, but I'm just still sad about that. She, I don't know when she's coming. Like, probably she's never coming. And then my friend just said, don't say that. It, she's probably just going to come, like, probably like a week. Or probably she's going to come, like, like this month. And I'm like, I hope so. Because it seems that, like, every week or every day, I just don't see her here in the house. And I still miss her, and I want her to be here. Because yeah. I would remember, like, we would go to Rec Center. We went to Rec Center with my mom. And my grandma would be there, too. And it would be my my two cousins and us three. And um, we'd be there playing around in the pool. But I would see how happy my mom is with my grandma just talking. And But when we went there with my aunt and my grandma... I wouldn't see her there, and I would just think something's missing, yeah. and it's her. It just wasn't the same without your mom there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even though it was still the rec center. <laughs> what do you think you would tell other kids who um, who might not understand or... Um, wouldn't understand what it's like to have your mom or your dad just taken away like that, what would you tell them? That probably they should just feel calm, that everything's going to be okay, and that probably they're not going to be set anywhere, and that they're not going to be taken away forever, and that they are going to be okay, that you can feel sad, but you just, that your mom or dad is okay and that you don't have to worry about anything and that someday your mom is gonna your mom or dad is gonna come home happy and you are gonna be happy and that everything's gonna be normal again when your mom or dad comes home and that you shouldn't feel worried that something bad's gonna happen to them because they're just gonna be taken away for like a like a month or probably just like some weeks, but that they're not gonna nothing bad's gonna happen. They're not gonna be killed. They're not gonna be sent somewhere that you can't see them no more. They're just there waiting for you. They're gonna come home one day. Well, Maggie, you are a very strong young woman, <laughs> and I can. I can see a lot of your mom in you, <laughs> and I bet you got a lot strong because you had to get a lot stronger this summer, didn't mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? No. No. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. <laughs> thank today. you.
And thank you both, Yvette and Maggie. Um, your story means a lot, and we really appreciate that. As I know it hasn't been easy, but um, your story is an important one, and I'm glad we can put it out there for people to hear and respond to. Thank you so much. You're welcome. welcome. I'll leave you today with this thought from Maya Angelou. There is no agony like bearing an untold story inside of you. Thanks for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.